Kaduba with a whack to it. Picked up by Backstrom. He will clear, but right to the stick of Greg Shannon. The Boston Bruins now turn it over. A two-on-one. Knubel coming with Ward. Knubel with a chance. Backhander loose. They score! They score! They score! It's over! Ward on the rebound! Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Boston! The King is dead! There will be a new Stanley Cup champion! The Capitals are still dancing! A rebound off Thomas, and the Capitals have won it in Boston in Game 7! And welcome back to the stretcher on here on ESPN New Hampshire. Sorry, Bruins fans. Sorry we had to play that. Uh, but we are uh, trying to get a hold of uh, the voice you heard there, the play-by-play man, longtime play-by-play radio man for the Washington Capitals, and that is John Walton. And, uh, you know, Bruins fan or not, that was, that was a pretty, pretty cool radio call there. Uh, obviously just not the favor of the Bruins there. I remember that. I was covering that game. I was at that game when when Joel Ward scored. And uh, like I mentioned earlier today, it was atrocious and shameful what happened after that. And unfortunately, uh, gave Boston a bad name for a bit. But it really, as we know, it's not, it's not a whole city's fault for a, a small group of idiots uh, expressing their ignorant and racist thoughts. But that, that's not why we remember that moment. It's a good hockey moment. And... Uh, uh, our, our next guest, John Walton, was uh, able to t- call that game. It's called so many games for the Washington Capitals throughout the course of their history. And on to talk about the Capitals and Bruins tonight is John Walton. Mr. Walton, how are you today, sir? Oh, very good. It's a good night for hockey here in Washington. Well, it always is. As, uh, as Mr. Bob Johnson said, it's a beautiful day for hockey, right? It always is. And, uh, you know, John, we look at this Capitals team right now and in the, in terms of the uh, the win differential, uh, I would not have thought that we could say that the Bruins are right there with them at this point. Uh, you look at the two teams on paper, and you look at them coming into the season, and obviously the Capitals are uh, a lot of people's picks to contend for the Cup, and the Bruins are just sort of in that transition mode. But, um, you know, I, I think from afar, looking at the Capitals, they're finding their stride again. They've been without Oshie. Uh, Ovechkin's had a little rough patch, but as he always does, he'll turn it around. What's the feel like around that team right now going forward? I think the feel is that this team has been good, but not great. Mm -hmm. And you compare them with the Bruins, and I I think it's you've got a Boston team coming in tonight where a guy like David Pasternak has been able to score seemingly at will and now third in the league in goals. And the Capitals, Really haven't had that guy. Alex Ovechkin's got 12. Nick Backstrom has been good. You mentioned T.J. Oshie. He's back in the lineup tonight. This will be the first time that he's been in in seven games, and the Capitals really missed him. The real problem with this team has been there have been a number of guys. Again, Kuznetsov is one. Justin Williams is another, where their production from last year was a lot higher than what it's been this year. And the Caps, in theory, have a lot of great talent in their lineup, and especially down the middle. But what they don't have right now is a lot of offensive production from a number of guys. And, you know, Braden Holtby's been terrific. Uh, he's, been, he's played very well in his career against the Bruins. Uh, he will get the start here tonight as well. Uh, he is keeping Washington in games almost every night. But they're going to need more offensive production, especially as tough as much fallen division is. 
Because uh, right now, it seems like every night, everybody's winning in this place. Exactly. And we bring up TJ Oshie there. And, of course, he will be facing uh, one of his former longtime teammates from St. Louis, uh, David Backus, on the other side. And earlier today, David Backus spoke about Oshie. Here you go. For seven years, so there's, there's a lot of, you know, intimate knowledge between the two of us. A guy that never takes a shift off, plays his butt off, and has a high level of skill to make plays and finish plays when he's given the opportunity. And, uh, you know... A couple weeks off for him. There's probably going to be a little rust. I've experienced that myself. But, you know, just like everybody on their team, can't give them too much space because they're potent offensively, and we got to make them play defense, and it's tough for them to score from their end of the rink when we're managing the puck. That's got to be our game plan and everyone's mindset going into this. Uh, John, you know, he, he brings up sort of the, the gritty side of, of Oshie there, too, and we know he can score, but uh, looking at that character side of Oshie there, how much has that rubbed off on some of his teammates since he's been in Washington? Well, I mean, I think you look back to the postseason, and TJ was arguably Washington's best player, and not just because of offense. He had a hat trick in game one against Pittsburgh, and it was the only time in the series that the Cats had a lead uh, and watched Pittsburgh come back and win it in six. Uh, he was a guy who not only scored, but he went to the wall. He got pucks. Uh, he really impressed a lot of people, I think, who, you know, looking at his numbers in St. Louis, always a good goal scorer. Uh, wasn't somebody who necessarily came up big in the postseason with St. Louis, uh, but he came here, and boy, did he put that to rest right away. Uh, and he, uh, coming back in the lineup tonight uh, and going to be playing with Marcus Johansson this evening and also with Nicholas Backstrom, uh, they need that offensive spark, no doubt. And it's probably not enough just to be him with that spark. They do need it from other places. But uh, this will be the first time since November 18th that we've seen him in the lineup tonight. For sure. And then, of course, you brought up Braden Holpe there, and, and we played your uh, your call from Game 7 against Boston back in 2012 in a series which, in my opinion, is when Braden Holpe arrived and and. and put his stamp on that team and his stamp as a as an elite goalie or, or pretty close to elite goalie at that point in the NHL. And earlier today, uh, Patrice Bergeron spoke about Braden Holpe. So let's see what he had to say about the Washington netminder. I think he's poised. You know, he's he doesn't really, uh, um, you know, make the first move. Usually he's always kind of waiting for you to do that. And, uh, you know, I think obviously, uh, um, you know, he's just a great goaltender uh, overall. He, uh, he's, he's quick, but he's also very big in the net and takes a lot of space. So, um, you know, we're going to need a lot of traffic and, and a lot of shots on him tonight. And I, I think Bergeron's absolutely correct in his assessment of Holpe there. And I remember watching, going back to that series, John, in 2012, as that series went on, watching him um, sort of take it over. And, and that that's exactly one of the things I noticed there is that, you know, Unless you were creating a huge traffic jam, you weren't going to get it by him. And he's, Bergeron said it best, the word poised. That's what I noticed about him then, and I imagine it's even so much more so uh, today as we speak of Braden Holpe. Yeah, poise is a big part of it, and uh, people forget that in that series, he had spent the year at Hershey that year, and he right. was essentially the team's third goaltender. Tomas Bakun got hurt, Michael Neuvert got hurt, and the Caps were starting with their third-string goalie and going up against the then-defending Stanley Cup champs. So uh, I didn't look good at the beginning, but every game in that series uh, was a one-goal game. Even the ones that Boston ended up winning, uh, Tyler Sagan had forced it back uh, to Game 7 back in Boston, and it really didn't look good then either. Uh, but Braden was the guy who time and time again made the save when the club needed. And that's more or less what he has been 
Uh, when Adam Oates was coaching this team, he went through a little bit of a crisis of confidence. They had three goalies here. It was kind of a mess, quite honestly. Uh, but uh, that was really the only time I would say in five years where he hasn't been the guy. And last year, showing everyone why and winning 48 games, winning the Vesna. And he's picked up right where he left off last year. Uh, he has been as good as that or better. Uh, and on a team, especially when they've been struggling to score goals, uh, they have certainly needed him to be the last line of defense. He's certainly been that. When you think of Alexander Ovechkin, obviously everybody's always expecting him to score. And he, as I said, he's gone through some rough patches there. But the other knock on him lately uh, has been that he's taken some some rather bad penalties and ones that he doesn't necessarily always take. Uh, I, I read a story there where he said he's had a talk with the coach and he's trying to correct that right now. What's been your take on that? He has been taking too many penalties. There's no doubt. Uh, leading the team in minor penalties, and some of them have been stick infractions where he just hasn't been uh, careful enough with a stick. Barry Trotz has talked about it and been very direct in saying it needs to stop, and it does. Uh, but I would imagine, I mean, just hearing from him since that game, uh, the most recent game, uh, where he addressed it, said, look, it's right. You know, it's something I need to do better. And, you know, that's what you wear to see. Uh, you've got to not, not only stand up and be accountable with your teammates, but for yourself. And, uh, in that particular case, he, he's the best goal scorer on the planet, uh, but he certainly needs to be on the ice to be able to do that. And when he's not out there uh, and he's in the penalty box, uh, that's not something that uh, is certainly good for this team. So moving forward, uh, a little more disciplined play, especially when it comes to stick infractions, going to be very necessary. For sure. Uh, it, uh, John, give us a take for us uh, Bruins uh, listeners that don't watch the Capitals as often as as we should, maybe who's a player we should keep an eye on tonight. That's kind of surprised you guys down there. Well, I, I don't know if he's a surprise so much to us, except maybe his production is higher when others have gone lower. And that's Jay Beagle. Uh, Jay has been on the fourth line primarily in his career, but he's a guy that I, his, I had, I mean, his goal scoring pace, he's got five goals already at just over quarter mark of the season. That's really high for him, uh, but he's Mr. Everything. He's Mr. Fix-It, too, for Barry Trotz. The line's not going well, even if it's the top line. Uh, Barry Trotz will plug him in there. Uh, we saw him on the power play, uh, which is the first time that we had seen him on the man advantage, I think, ever in the regular season here on Monday night. He won't be on the power play this evening, but uh, when he is out there, uh, he is a difference maker, and he wins uh, as many face-offs as anyone in a Washington uniform. Uh, and he's he's got developed a little bit of a goal-scoring touch and some big goals, too. He's got a couple of game winners that are mixed in there. So uh, that would be probably one guy that you wouldn't necessarily think uh, about offense from, but he's been very good for this team. For sure. And earlier you referenced just how good that division, the Metropolitan Division, is this year. And, uh, it, like, it, you're right, it just keeps switching who's in front there. And, you know, you expected that from the Capitals and the Rangers and the Penguins, but I, I think you'd agree with me is that... <laughs> I don't think many expected to see what we're seeing right now from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, what's been your take on them? My take on Columbus is uh, they scare the heck out of me. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think I, I think when it, everyone looks at uh, what they've done over the last couple of weeks, it's funny. We were just in Tampa Bay uh, and talking with some of the folks in Tampa, and they've been tuned up twice by Columbus. Yeah. And the Caps have lost there, too. They were close, but the Caps had a lot of trouble getting anything on going offensively against Columbus. You know, I start looking around. I mean, Henrik Lundqvist wasn't great last night and has had his struggles this year for the Rangers. I, and with Nika Zibanejad, uh, Zibanejad down, uh, the Rangers, I think, are going to about to come back to earth right now because you've got a whole lot of back pressure 
from Pittsburgh, hopefully from Washington. Philadelphia Flyers suddenly have won five or six in a row. Uh, you've got Columbus doing what they're doing. Uh, even New Jersey. Uh, we haven't seen the Devils yet, but I've heard good things. Uh, you've got six teams right there uh, that could easily come up and make a run at the top of the division. I think the Rangers are going to have their struggles, in all honesty. I think you can kind of feel that coming a little bit right now. Larry Brooks wrote something in the New York Post today about that very thing. But I think the rest of the division right now, all on the upswing, and Washington's got to be ready for that. Barry Trotz said it today. Uh, this is playoff hockey in December, and it's going to be this way the rest of the season. And it may sound a little bit uh, hyperbolic to say that, uh, but when you look at this division and you lose one game in regulation, you're getting passed by somebody. Yeah. And if you're winning, more often than not, you're just keeping up. Uh, and that's Washington. This was their time to shine last year. They bolted to the top of the division in December, and they ended up winning the President's Trophy. But they're going to have to be able to win and score a little bit more than they have been and, and do it a little more consistently, or or they're going to get to be a team that is passed. And some of the Rangers, I mean, the Caps have got to be careful about that, too. For sure. I totally agree with you. And, you know, you, you talk about playing playoff hockey right now, and this is a team that in the last couple of years has come to the forefront as, okay, this is the year they, they get over the hump there and they get to the finals. They make it through uh, the Eastern Conference there. Uh, obviously high hopes again this season. And it was interesting. I was listening to guys on Hockey Central recently uh, talking about the Cavs and then just talking about, you know, some up-and-coming up and coming players or, or young players, some of the young players in the league that are going to need to be signed soon. And Kuznetsov came up and they said, you know what, their their take and their sources were telling them maybe they're holding back a bit, that is management uh, with the Caps, on signing him to that extension because they want to see if they finally get over that hump and then reevaluate the roster. Is that your take as well, that we won't see any extension for him before this year is over? It's difficult to know, and I wouldn't say definitively one way or the other. Uh, probably a little bit closer to it than those guys, not to take away. I mean, it's a legitimate possibility. But here's the thing with Washington that goes far beyond that off. They have 10 contracts up at the end of the year between RFAs right. and UFAs. A couple of them, uh, maybe they don't bring back and are easier. Uh, but there's a lot of tough decisions. Dmitry Orlov needs to be paid. Who's Netsov, Carl Alsner, TJ Oshie. Uh, in the last yeah, Alsner is the guy they the brought UFAs. up. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, you're looking at that and going, okay, uh, this team's already spent basically to the cap. They're within $800,000 of the cap right now. So are they able to bring them all back? No, they are not. There is no way they're all coming back. So you have to make some decisions. Because Netsov has made it, I think, a little more intriguing because I think everyone thought that he would do more or less what he did last year. He's a 70, 80-point guy. Uh, well, right now, I mean, he's on pace to be a 30-point guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that would change, you know, perhaps even from his own people uh, and representation. Maybe that changes their trajectory. Maybe they look for something smaller and short-term uh, to try and hit it big again sooner or later. Uh, I mean, there isn't a big right now. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of year left and anything can happen. But right now, Kuznetsov uh, would be hard-pressed to be asking for the big ticket because it just hasn't produced. Uh, for Carl Alsner, he's a stay-at-home defenseman where, you know, he somebody's going to say, hey, uh, you know, there's 5 or $6 million out there for him. Uh, he's part of the top defensive pair on a team that won the President's Trophy last year. Yep. No doubt he's going to get attention. So a lot of question marks for contracts, and that kind of makes it a win now for Washington because this is not right. going to be the same team next year no matter what happens. That's what I was getting, and I wonder, you know, is there sort of a feel in that dressing room? Do these guys, have they gotten together or will they get together and be like, look, guys, 
this might be it for this group. I mean, we likely, you know, with the way the cap is, we're not all going to be together next year. So let's do this right now and, and let's, you know, let's get to where we know we can get to and what we're built to get to. So I would think that uh, enhances that all the much more. And you bring up Arslander there too. That's a guy they mentioned. And I'll tell you, uh, John, from what I hear, uh, you know, when he was here in Boston as the GM, Peter Chiarelli, uh, just, you know, talking in the press box with him and watching games and just talking about different... He was always raving about that guy. So Edmonton's a team that I think would be very interested in him if he was to hit the market. I think there's a lot of interest in a guy like Alsner just because of the minutes he eats. And yep. we learned what life might look like with that T.J. Oshie over the last seven games when he was out due to injury. And it wasn't pretty because the Caps weren't scoring a lot of goals. So uh, I think when you add all of those things up, uh, you know, that's where the decisions, I think it's an evolving process. And I think Oshie, Alsner, who's next off at the top of the list, uh, Dmitry Orlov, and, you know, throw an expansion for a little bit of extra spice. You've got a number of different directions that this thing could go, but uh, certainly right now it is uh, win now and, you know, win, win or lose, there's probably not going to be a whole lot going on, uh, you know, with this cap. The characters want to over because some guys definitely aren't going to be back. Right. That's just the reality of the cap. Hey, listen, uh, as we let you go here, I just want to tell you, uh, our producer here, Tim, has been a longtime fan of you, John. When I when he saw that you were on the uh, the roster for guests today, his eyes lit up and uh, he's with me here. And Tim, you want to say anything? No, you're good. All right. Well, he's good. But uh, he, he said he's listening to you for a while. I have as well. And we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, whether you want to hear it or not, you're a legend in the broadcasting business, and we appreciate it. Oh, guys, I appreciate that very much. You're too kind. And uh, good. glad to have you guys tuning in. We like to keep the light and have some fun around here. For sure. And you tell uh, my good friend Ben Rabbi that Jimmy Murphy says hello, okay? Jimmy Murphy says hello. You betcha. All right. I'll see him in a matter of moments. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Thanks a lot, John. Always a pleasure. We'll get you on down the line. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, Jimmy. All right. That's John Walton from uh, the Capitals radio broadcast there. Longtime announcer there. And uh, what a class act he is. And uh, just he's got that voice. He's got that, that, that legendary broadcasting voice. And he's made some great calls over here and some really good insight there in the Capitals, a team to watch as we go forward here. It's pretty much uh, winner. We're to break, or they're definitely going to break because they're going to have to split this roster up. So uh, that'll be a tough challenge for the Bruins tonight. Uh, is there in? I always want to say Landover. That shows my age there, eh, Timmy? You're still part of the eighteen thousand one hundred thirty in the Cap Center. Yeah, no, they're in the Verizon Center now in downtown DC, and that's where the Bruins and Caps will uh, in, engage at eight o'clock tonight. Remember that game is on NBC. You can find it there. We'll be back in the next segment as we uh, go ahead and talk some Bruins with our friend Mark Diver of the Providence Journal, longtime Bruins writer. So stay with us here in a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. We've got it all here on ESPN, on ESPN New Hampshire. Scoots around the corner, reverses for Krejci, picks it up, sets up in Gretzky's office. Kindle having a look at him. Saucer pass in front, scores! Tim Schauer catches the pass from David Krejci and puts Boston ahead. Into the corner, finds Bergeron, the shot off of Matheson wide. Pasternak scores! Marshan, the quick feed! Boston answers with 323 to go in the second. Go, 
check. Colin Miller pitches down on him. Sporter to Krejci with Pesic in his own crease. Now Krejci throws it in front, but couldn't get much on it. Sporter, the shot, scores! David Backus in front, does it again! And the Bruins lead 3-2. Switches with Pasternak. Krejci comes out of the corner. Pasternak, who had gone all the way to center ice, goes right in and scores! David Pasternak wins it for Boston! 4-3 in sudden death! And welcome back to the Stretcher on here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. Timmy Buttons working the boards here. And we just heard from John Walton of the uh, Washington Capitals radio broadcast, getting the Capitals' side of uh, their tilt with the Bruins tonight down in Washington, D.C. And now let's look at the Bruins' side with our good friend Mark Diver of the Providence Journal. Mark, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm good, my friend. And I uh, I, I see that uh, Providence's own... Uh, Noel Akari has uh, been sent down to Providence. Uh, I, I imagine that's for a conditioning stint as he comes back from his uh, injury there. When do you think we can expect him back in the Boston lineup? Uh, I don't think it'll be long. I think uh, uh, a matter of days, I would say. I, you know, He may play this Friday down here uh, against Toronto, get a game under his belt. Uh, I wouldn't expect them to put him in back-to-back on Saturday. You know, he could get called called back up after Friday, or he may play down here Sunday. You know, I, I think it's uh, it depends on how he does. Um, he certainly looked healthy on the ice today, but uh, I think they're taking it very uh, very carefully with him. He, uh, you know, he's a he's a warrior. He'll play through anything, and uh, they don't want to. Uh, I believe they don't want to uh, risk him. You know, pushing it too far, too fast. So I think uh, I think they'll take it slow, but I think he'll be back in Boston be in the near future. Another guy we uh, could be seeing soon as well in the Boston lineup is Frank Vitrano. You had a chance to see a lot of him down in Providence. Uh, he had some success uh, when he came up to Boston and he was healthy, but it, w- it was a bit of a small sample. Um, your take on if uh, if and when he comes back and gets into that Boston lineup. Uh, what he can bring and how he will fit in. Well, uh, the shooting, the talent he has for shooting the puck uh, speaks for itself. Uh, last year, he was able to uh, improve his pace and uh, and get it up to NHL standards, and uh, and uh, that uh, that worked out well for him uh, for the most part. Um, you know, I think uh, like like Noel, uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see Frankie. In Providence, maybe for a weekend uh, to get uh, to get some games in. But once he goes up, you know, I think they'll look for him to, uh, you know, to be a bit of a trigger man. It wouldn't, uh, you know, Tim Schaller's doing uh, doing fine on that line with uh, with Krejci, but it wouldn't uh, wouldn't surprise me to see Frankie in there. Uh, you know, once he gets back and gets his feet under him, he, uh, you know, he showed a, just an unbelievable talent for scoring goals down here uh, with. Uh, 36 and 36 games, but uh, the NHL's different. Uh, the goalies are better. The D is better. You don't have as, as much room, time, uh, time to shoot. So uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't expect a goal a game pace up there for Frank, but I think, uh, 
I think he can score at that level. Uh, the, the, and, and I think he'll get the chance when, uh, when he gets back up. Well, um, you know, what do you expect that he can see? He's a UMass guy like myself here, Mark. You know, I mean, that's that's how we work at UMass. We, we get the job done, you know. But, uh, no, right. uh, I'm very happy for him, and it's good to see a UMass hockey uh, product uh, make good in the NHL. Um, another guy you got to see a lot of over the years in Providence as he went back and forth and seemed to have finally reached his poten- potential last year uh, in Boston – uh, and seemed like he had finally turned that corner as Ryan Spooner, and he has fell fell back into the doghouse, fallen back into the doghouse with uh, Claude Julian, um, and has sort of bounced around the lineup. He's not really being used at center right now. He is the subject of numerous trade rumors. Um, Joe Haggerty was reporting recently that uh, his sources are telling him that the Bruins have indeed ha- had talks with teams, one of them being uh, the San Jose Sharks. I know that the St. Louis Blues uh, inquired about him at the draft last year uh, when the two teams were kind of talking about Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, But it seems that's heated up as of late. Uh, He's putting on a good face right now. But based on what I know of Spoons, and I I wonder if you agree with me, I I know that um, at times he has taken that a little too much to heart when his name does pop up in those rumors or... Uh, when he when he falls down in the lineup, he, he's had a history. He's not doing it now, and I give him credit, but he has had a history of sulking. And I wonder, uh, you know, is this going to become an issue? Do Do you think he's on his way out in Boston? Uh, that's tough to tough to get a read on that. I I, I hope not. Uh, but I agree with uh, you know with you that uh, he hasn't in the past hasn't handled. Uh, Adversity very well. Uh, that may be because he's he's uh, a relatively uh, a young kid, uh, or it may be that he's just not uh, mentally strong enough. I, it's hard to say, but uh, it's hard to put a put your finger on what exactly uh, Claude Claude seems to keep building him up and then tearing him down somewhat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, guys like him. The point total he had last year—they don't grow on trees. So, you know, this is a homegrown kid. They drafted him. They developed him. I, I'd hate to see them, uh, you know, kind of dump him uh, unless they're getting something real good in return. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, then uh, then maybe it's a different story. But, uh, geez, I, I hope he uh, I hope he can uh, can get it turned around here and, and stay and be a productive player in Boston. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, one thing I really admired about him last year was him totally not prompted by us, by the reporters that were there. I don't even know if you were in this scrum, but it was, I don't know, it was like three quarters away through the year. And I almost like, you know, it was like a freeze frame moment. He started praising Julian out of nowhere. And he's like, you know what? I know I've said some things about him and I know I've expressed my... uh, you know, my dissatisfaction with him in the past, but maybe I needed that tough love from him uh, yeah. to get where I am right now. And, you know, so it, it was like, it was a really feel good story at the moment. And to see it sort of turn the other way right now is tough. And I'm with you. I really hope, uh, you know, both sides, they can figure it out and they can figure out a way to get him into the lineup right now and, and, and put him where I believe. And I think many believe is, is in the center spot. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, at times this season, uh, 
he's been better than uh, some of the other centers they have, and, yeah. and and on paper he's way better. I just I don't know. I I, I think that they, unless like you said, it's it, it really makes a lot of sense. I don't think they should give up on him yet. But I I proposed this yesterday uh, to Ty Anderson wei dot com when we were just kind of bouncing around on ideas of what would be a good return for him, and I I said, well, you know, Arizona's been looking for centers since like. Since they've been a franchise, basically, it seems. Yeah. Um, and uh, they got a guy that supposedly is on the block, surprisingly, and that's uh, young Anthony Duclair, who has got plenty of skill. Though yeah. you wonder, you look at him, okay, well, if they were to trade him, that's going to be three teams in three years, and you, you, that always raises a little red flag. But, man, if they could ever get him, that might be the perfect return for Ryan Spooner. What would you think of that? Uh, well, like you say, the the fact that he's already been traded once, uh, and 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 another team maybe is looking to unload him again. That's uh, that's definitely a red flag at mm. his young age. Uh, you know, and I, I don't, I'd almost like to see, if they're going to trade Spooner. I'd almost like to see it as part of a package that gets them a, the the defenseman that they need, um, rather than. A winger, a scoring winger, uh, like like Declare presumably would be. I think, uh, you know, with Vitrano on the horizon, uh, maybe maybe that slot is uh, is filled a little bit. But uh, you know, if that's what, I, I wouldn't be against that kind of a return. That's that's a pretty good. Uh, that kid has a potential to be a pretty good player. So I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't uh, you know close the door on that if that if that was. Uh, if that was what the deal was. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I, you know, yeah, I definitely agree with, like we said, it, it can be a red flag. But then I kind of, as I was saying that, I'm thinking, well, the Bruins have a guy like that who, as of late, is finally, you know, finding a little of his potential. And you saw some of him down in Providence, and that's Joe Morrow. And he was traded twice at an early age. And, you know, sometimes the reason these kids find themselves getting dealt more than once at such a young age is just because... You know the the team that's dealing them is a contending team and has the chance to to get that that guy that you know is the final piece to the puzzle, what have you, you know. And um, yep. you know, yeah, that's kind of the way Moro came here. And you know, you look well. No, Moro came, did Moro come in the, in the second deal? Yes, he did. Yeah, so that yes, was a little did. different. But um, you know what I mean? Like, so you can't always say it's a red flag. You never know. But I mean, right. Yes, you look at Moro right now. Uh, what's been your take on the way he's improved in the last few weeks? Uh, he, he seems to be taking some immediacy to his game and saying, "Look, I want to be part of this defense here. I, w- I don't want to be up and down to the press box or up and down to Providence." Uh, what's been your take on his play as of late? Yeah, I think he has been uh, improved lately. I think he, he's uh, he has played with more urgency, like you say. But they're looking for that. Obviously, every single night, and uh, you know, I'm not sure if he's delivered that yet at, at this point. Um, and and I think I, I I think I'd put Colin Miller in the same boat. Uh, consistency, you know, uh, two two good games followed by uh, kind of a blah game. That's that's not what they're looking for. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, you know, I think Joe Joe's got a lot of talent. It's uh, you know, he can skate, he can shoot. Uh, it, it's uh, it's just a question of figuring out. I think the the, uh, the the mental approach that lets him bring it every every game, as opposed to uh, maybe two out of three. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that. So the Bruins are in Washington today. Ironically, I don't think anyone would have expected they go into this tilt with Washington on rivalry night on NBC with more wins than the Washington Capitals at this point. I wouldn't have expected that. But uh, earlier today, Claude Julian spoke to the media. Let's give a listen right now. Everybody knows we'd like to score more, so let's we can we can talk about that. But uh, you know we're we're always looking to improve. You know I, I never want to stand here and say, "Oh, we got to do this, do that better." We got to improve as a team, and uh, you know we're, we're creating chances, but we're not scoring enough. So that's probably the, the biggest uh, thing that we see right now. But we still want to improve uh, some other areas. So there you go. I mean, uh, they're always looking to improve there, and obviously scoring is is one of the areas there, and that's why I think some of this trade rumor stuff is is starting up. But um, you look at them right now, and I look at that last game against Florida, and the majority of the goals they got, I'd say the first three, all in those dirty areas, all pretty much ugly goals, so to speak, you know, and... And and goals where they were just banging bodies around in front, getting down low, causing traffic. And, you know, over the years since Julian's been here, that's the way Claude Julian teams score. Um, how much more of that do you think we're going to see tonight, uh, especially against a goalie like Braden Holpe, who has been uh, as close to perfect as you can get over the last two years? Uh, how much more do you think they'll try and create that traffic in front of him? Well, I think uh, I think that's always the game plan. Uh you look around the NHL uh, night to night, you don't see uh, all that many goals scored off the rush. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot of scrums, it's a lot of screens, it's a lot of uh, you know the grunt work around in the in the dirty areas. That's uh, that's how you score in the NHL these days, I think. Uh, and and the Bruins going into, I, I think that's pretty much their game plan every. Uh, Every single night is to uh, make it hard on the goalie, crowd them, screen them, stuff like that. And uh, I, I'd expect that's what they'll do tonight. Holpe, you know, if he gets a look at the puck, he's going to stop it like 98% of the time. So, yeah. uh, and not just him. That's that's true of, uh, of a lot of goalies, uh, if not most goalies in the NHL. So I think the uh, the dirty areas is where you got to go, and uh, I, I think that's what they'll try to do. Relaying that back to our Spooner conversation there, I mean, obviously Spooner thrives on his skill and finesse, but do you think maybe he needs to do a little more of that and get down and dirty there? Well, it couldn't hurt, but at the same time, uh, you know, is he really built for that? I, I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. that's why the the whole thing of putting him on the wing, I'm not sure that's, that plays to his strengths. Uh, right. You know, as a hockey player, he, he's not a he's not a big bruising physical specimen uh so you put him along the wall and you know he he gets out muscled uh whereas in the middle he you know he's a great skater he's faster than uh than a lot of players and and uh maybe he can use that as more of an asset in the in the middle as opposed to uh you know along the boards um boy when he played wing in providence for a short time a couple years back he was brutal uh and it was only when they got him back in the middle that, that he uh he took off again and uh, ended up getting another chance in Boston. See, and you want it, so why, I mean, why do that? Why put him back there? I don't think there's any necessity that they have to either. You know, like, I, yeah, it, it, it's it, not like it, they were like forced they to do know, this. It's like they don't know what to do with him, you know? So, well, we'll put him on the wing. And, and you know, <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. It's not really working. 
at yeah. this point. And it's not like there's some player there that, you know what, like uh, like Bacchus or something. Bacchus is more than willing to play the wing with Krejci, right? It's yeah. not. It's yeah. not like, you know, they're looking at it and saying, this guy, it's in his contract when he came here that he has to play center. Uh, or, you know, there's a guy, we just we just can't have him anywhere else but center. There's, there's really no one there in the lineup that you could say that about other than maybe Spooner. So I don't th- yeah. I don't I don't get it. It's a, it's a it's an interesting phenomenon with the Bruins, but we'll see where it goes, but it should be a good one down in Washington tonight. Mark, we en- enjoy you coming on as always and we'll get you on down the line, all right? Thanks, Mark. Call anytime. All right, that's Mark Diver, right. the Providence Journal joining us here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. We've got one segment left. You want to call in, talk some Bruins Capitals with us or talk anything else? You're more than welcome. We've got one segment left as I said, 603-883 9900 the stretch run will be back with Bomani Jones only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio Welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, and uh, Timmy Button's working the boards. And uh, I want to thank all our guests today. We had a, a great show indeed. Uh, we, we talked to Peter Yiannopoulos of TSN and RDS, talked some NBA and Celtics basketball with him. We talked to Mike Shalin, Associated Press and Manchester Union leader about the Red Sox, and then some surprise hockey talk as well at the end. Uh, we also talked to Phil A. Perry about the Patriots. Uh, yeah, the list was on. Who else? What am I missing here? Well, we did have one texter who, quite frankly, isn't with it because it's a comment for Tom King. Oh, all right then. I don't know which one of us is. Do I sound well, that well, old? Well, no. You know, you know something. Um, there was a complaint to me from a friend trying to listen online in another state. Yes, that when he was trying to listen today, it was Christian and King during the three to six frame. Oh wow! So there could be a glitch, and so times. he's responding so in his it, mind, real time, exactly. to something Tom so said. We, we we can't be. Uh, it might not be him. It could be, but it might not be him. So who knows? Uh, and then of course we had uh, John Walton. Uh, of the Capitals radio broadcast, a longtime play-by-play man, and just now Mark Diver of the Providence Journal uh, joining us to talk about the Bruins and Capitals, which will take place 8 p.m. tonight. Uh, and, you know, obviously uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, what today was as well. And, of course, it is the 75th uh, anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Um, and we mentioned a bit of that with uh, Phil A. Perry about uh, Bill Belichick talking about that uh, today in his presser. And so we're going to give you that right now. So here's Bill Belichick on the meaning of Pearl Harbor to him. You spent your life around a lot of Navy people. Any added significance for the 75th anniversary of Pearl Harbor today? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, Tim Gray's done a lot of work. Uh, 
with World War II and you know, with the uh, Nazis in Hawaii now. Um, so, yeah, pretty, um, pretty big day in our, in our history, certainly in naval history. But uh, for me, the, the lesson on Pearl Harbor and for us uh, as a team and um, individually, I would say, is you know, not what happened on uh, Pearl Harbor, you know, not what happened on December 7th, although that was a lesson there, but the response, you know, what the response was from our nation, uh, from our military, uh, from our civilians, from our, our population to you know, battle the world on two fronts. And win both of them. And, uh, I mean, what this country did, you know, under uh, Roosevelt's leadership, as well as the multiple military leaders. Uh, and we go fight Europe, and we go fight, you know, in Southeast Asia and Japan. In response to what happened on December 7, 1941, was pretty, pretty impressive. And I remember my dad talking a lot about that. You know, when it happened, when he found out, then um, he went to the Navy, he went to Great Lakes, and, and then eventually went to Europe, and eventually went to Okinawa. It was, you know, it's a tough time for this country, but it was a great example of, of uh, the patriotism of, of uh, our citizens, men and women, fighting together, pulling together, and, and being victorious in a lot of different ways. So, so. Special, special day. One of them will see you again. Tough day for the Navy, but if they responded, they bounced back. And, and the Battle of Midway, that was really a huge turning point that had that not gone the way it did. I don't know. Better than a longer fight. Okay. And uh, good on Alan Siegel, uh, longtime Boston reporter with WBZ, uh, now with WHDH and Dirty Water Media. I worked with him there uh, asking that question as Bill Belichick gave him credit for that there. And uh, some good stuff there from Belichick. Like we said, he is a historian uh, and loves the uh, loves to learn about wars and all that in the military. So good for him to respecting that. And on this, the 75th anniversary of Pearl Harbor, we... Uh, pay our respects to all who were lost that day and all who sacrificed that day. Thank you for your service and thanks to all military servicemen and servicewomen for your service from the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire.